it's home to more than a thousand castles and palaces of all shapes and sizes. Historically, the Loire Valley has been the transition point between the Mediterranean-inspired south of France and the cooler north. A cruise down the Loire River takes you through fertile fields, rolling hills, charming medieval towns, and a backdoor view of more of those impressive chateaus. We're joined now by French tour guides Virginie Moret and Patrick Vidal to help to plan a getaway into the essence of France in the Loire. It's an interview we recorded before the pandemic. Virginie, Patrick, thanks for joining us. Bonjour, Bonjour Rick. So the Loire Valley, it's an important river in France. What does it mean to the French people, the Loire? Well, the, the Loire is, uh, is in some way the definition of the north and the south of France. South of the Loire River, the roofs are going to be made in tiles. They're going to be, be red roofs. And you've got a southern culture, which is more Latin, right. more mm-hmm. relaxed, more manana kind People of go outside way more yeah. than in the north. And in the north, we are seen as more, you know, we'll, we'll stay behind our doors. We don't open up to strangers. Whereas in the south, it's more like Italy and Spain. And it's also when they show the weather forecast, the Loire River is the border between bad weather in the north. And then you just go south of the river and they have Mediter- five more degrees Celsius. It's the Mediterranean. All Almost. Of a yeah. So it's like the cultural divide. I'm fascinated by historically how that just, it's probably no coincidence, but that has been a border. When the Moors came through Spain a thousand years ago and they came into France, they went as far as, as the Loire Valley. When the Nazis pushed down south, wasn't the Loire the, the border? Between? The Loire was the border between free France to the south and then occupied France to the north. That's where they would pass Jewish people, and that's where the resistance fighters would also go through. And Chenonceau is one of those castles that was very important for the resistance movement. How so? Chenonceau, that's the famous castle that sort of arches over the river so gracefully. It's the most visited castle uh, we have of the Loire Valley nowadays, but mm-hmm. it was very important because being over the Cher River, that was the border, and they were using it as a passageway. So they could uh, exchange prisoners there information. And, and so on. Mm-hmm. Fascinating to think of the importance of that river. They call it the last wild river in France. It is. It is the, the last one which has no dam on, which is not navigable for big boats. So um, why are there so many chateaus, palaces on the Loire Valley? But historically, first, the, the, the big importance of the Loire Valley comes from the Hundred Year War. Mm-hmm. Uh, the period of the Hundred Year War, Charles VII is the, is the king of France. He's stuck in Chinon, in the little town of Chinon. Oh, okay. And France has gone to nothing. It's, it's almost disappeared. And, uh, so this is when England was controlling half of France. Most of France it's, is actually English. Now, that was uh, generally what century would that 1400s. Be? So back in the 1400s, chateaus were defensive castles. But then, over time, the chateaus became just luxury hunting well, lodges. First of that, Charles VII is stuck in Amboise. France has gone to nothing. Comes on the scene, the lady we know very well, Joan of Arc. Oh, she yeah. comes to him, she gets him out of his chateau, they start to reconquer uh, France. And France redeveloped, starting from the Loire Valley. And this, this area in the Loire Valley always stayed as a soft spot in the memory of the kings. Well, it's also mild climate, agriculture, hunting. It's Angel, a place hunting is a big thing. As so well, even yeah. if they've got their political home in Paris, they really, their heart is well, down vacationing on their own. Political house stayed in the Loire Valley. You'll have to wait until the 17th century hmm. for the royal power to actually go back to the Ile de France around Paris. Actually, okay. it started with Francis I. Mm-hmm. After he was, uh, he was jailed. That's right. He was ruling from Amboise. He had Amboise, Blois, and then he built Chambord because he considered that he needed to assert his power in the right, world. So these kings would and he move had to, around. And then, obviously, when the king uh, resided there, all of the court had to follow, and they had little chateaus here and there. So it's known as the Thousand Chateau Valley. 
And then later on, uh, Francis I will build Fontainebleau, so closer to Paris. And then obviously all of the court, all of those important people, financiers to the king, mm-hmm. will go build castle there. And the end, the, these would be the elites who control the economy, who have, who have so much money, money, they don't know what to do with more it. More than the king. They'll build a palace just like the king's down the street from the king, and, and they'll have the elites close together. And the end of the Loire Valley is Versailles. And that comes at the end of the uh, medieval times. So we are, we are moving from a period when you got to defend yourself against your neighbor to a period when you are going to defend yourself against another country. So you don't have the local wars anymore. That's to make it simple. Huh? Yeah. So you move from a defensive place to a residence place, to a pleasure place. So now we have these pleasure palaces. We've got gardens. We've got openings on the outside. We've got uh, little rivers we got, running through. and uh, We got all of this because when the Hundred Years were over and the plague is over, what do you do with thousands of men? How do you, do you keep them busy? Well, you have to send them to war somewhere else. And that's when the kings went to war in uh, Italy. And then they brought back ideas of new gardens, so new the, architecture. Because there's a lot of Italian influence in the chateaux of the Loire. Well, the Renaissance, even though we use a French word, uh-huh. the rebirth actually started in Italy. But we use the French word Renaissance. Yeah. And the French king invited Leonardo da Vinci, the classic mm-hmm. Renaissance genius, to spend his last years in, in, the, in the court of the French king on the Loire Valley. We're exploring what you can enjoy in the Loire Valley of France with French tour guides Patrick Vidal and Virginie Moray. Patrick is based in Brittany, a little northwest of the Loire, and Virginie lives near Lyon in the southeast of France. They both specialize in showing American travelers the highlights of their country. Victoria from Norwalk, Connecticut, wants to visit the Loire Valley, and she's on the phone with us now for a little help with her plans. Hey, Victoria. Um, I'm really excited about getting to go to the Loire Valley this summer because I remember seeing the beautiful, beautiful pictures in the National Geographic when I was a kid, and I always thought it would be so cool to go there. And um, one of the things that I had heard about that I didn't know if you could recommend any particular um, operators to go on a a short boat trip, Um, I know you can rent a houseboat or you can go on an actual river cruise, and that's not what I'm interested in doing, um, nor am I interested in kayaking or canoeing, but I'd just like to ride on a small boat and see some of the chateaus. Uh, the problem is the Loire is the last wild river in France, as we said, so it's not very navigable. There are, there are some of them on the Cher River, uh, very close to the Chateau of Chenonceau. You've got a little company running some two hours or three hours ride, starting from a, from a yeah. lock and going down and going okay. around Chenonceau. So, Victoria, that's the Cher River, like Sunny and Cher. Okay. Yeah, yeah. The, the main thing I would think of are the one around Chenonceau, and they are mind-blowing because you start on this little river there, and then you get to go underneath the arches of the Chateau of Chenonceau. It's a great little trip. It's it's very short, but it's it's a great experience. It's and I believe right do. at Chenonceau, they rent little rowboats. That yes, you can they, do, they do mm-hmm. uh, in the Chateau itself. Talk itself, about yeah. romantic. Hey, Victoria, when you're there, also, there's. did you read about the dogs in, in Cheverny? I did, and uh, yeah, I can't wait to see those dogs. It is one of the They're most so spectacular um, feedings that you'll ever see in your life because you have these 70 dogs, and I guess they just eat like once a day, and the master puts all of these T-bone steaks out, and all the dogs are yelping and jumping and vibrating all around, but nobody's eating until the master says, chow time, and then they all dive in. And tourists get to sit there and watch it. And it's a reminder that you've got this wonderful hunting culture, don't you, from the aristocracy. But the, and the chateau is owned by, has been owned by the same family since the building of the chateau in the 1600s. Interesting. Hey, Victoria, thanks for your call. Thank you. Bye. <laughs> 
Carol's calling from Pittsburgh in Pennsylvania. Carol, thanks for your call. Okay. Um, I just wanted to comment on a wonderful visit I had at Chambord, uh, courtesy of the Rick Steves guidebook, because I found out that I could stay in a little hotel on the grounds of Chambord because it was listed in the guidebook. And um, it was just magical because you are right there, and after everybody goes home at night, you kind of have the place to yourself, and it has beautiful, um, it's in the forest, and has beautiful canals and wildlife, and you can walk around, and I got up at night, I was there in the fall, and I set my alarm, I got up at 3 a.m. and went down, and the doors were just wide open, and I walked out and looked at the stars. It was um, one of those special times when you are just immersed in the place. And it's you, just you and the beautiful chateau. And it was really one of those special experiences that I'll always remember. And Carol, for the benefit of our other listeners who have not been there, Chambord is the granddaddy of the chateaus with 440 rooms. It looks like this vast sort of church dedicated to the to the king almost, or, or who was it? But my experience is always there's so many tourists there. And you stayed in a hotel right on the grounds and you enjoyed it before and after the tourists. What a beautiful exactly. thing. Exactly. It's six times bigger than the average uh, Chateau of the Loire Valley. And that's actually the only built by Francis I, started by Francis I, but Louis XIV, the Sun King, that's the only place he would stay in in the Loire Valley because it's big enough for him. Is that right? I, so you're I, lucky. Imagine the, the investment to build these things, and, and a lot of times they're, they're almost rarely used, but they, they would spend thousands it's, and thousands It's been of... lived in 20 years since it was built in the 1500s. It's been lived in... Completely 20 years. Amazing. That's it. Amazing. And that's the difference in the Loire Valley between the royal castle and just the the finance or the minister uh, castle, where those were inhabited the whole year. But here, the, the court was mobile, and the king would just come for the hunting party. Carol, do you have a ballpark uh, memory of how much you spent to stay in the hotel on the grounds there? Oh, you know, I don't remember. That was 2009. But, you know, it actually wasn't very expensive. I don't feel that it was any more expensive and I had a bathroom to myself, and I had a view. I could see the chateau from my room. And it was one of those little kind of oddly shaped rooms, but very charming hotel. I bet it was a building that went back to be one of the service buildings of the chateau. It's probably a couple mm-hmm. hundred years old. And I would bet that, Carol, your hotel there on the grounds of the greatest chateau in France cost no more than a very simple, humble hotel in Paris. I stayed at Chateau du Pré on my last visit. It was just gorgeous. And as a matter of fact, our, our TV show on France, you can watch on our website at any time. If you just go to ricksteves.com and look in the TV section, we have a show dedicating half an hour just to the chateaus that we're talking about right now. Carol, thanks for your call. Thank you. French tour guides Virginie Moray and Patrick Vidal are helping us plan a delightful getaway to the Loire Valley right now on Travel with Rick Steves. Emily's on the line from Orange City in Iowa. Hi, Emily. How are you? I'm good. I um, went to the La Valley last summer. I'm 14 years old, and it was just really a highlight. It's my favorite travel I've probably ever been. Really? Why is that? Well, I remember we stayed in um, a chateau that was called Chateau de Crimée, and it was really cool because you felt like you were like a princess there because you had like all the grounds, and it was just so cool because you could just roam around and like open the doors and just see like all the history. So what was your favorite, except for the one you stayed in, was there one of the big uh, famous chateaus that you liked the best? I really liked the chateau, the Chenisseau, because of its big like arches and the river going through. I just found that was really pretty. And that's the one we were talking about. Did you know that at first they just built it on one side of the river and they had a bridge? 
And then later, the next person that was in charge of uh, renovating decided to turn the bridge into a ballroom, and they built the they extended the chateau actually over the river, and that's why you have that wonderful long hallway with the checkerboard uh, tiles, and you can almost imagine dressing up in a fancy ballroom gown and being there with all the richest people in France. That's so cool. <laughs> we also went to uh, at the Chateau d'Ambois. We went to like a light show. And they had the townspeople, and they would act out everything that happened there. I love that. It's so and, cool. And that's the chateau where the king decided to invite Leonardo da Vinci to live there in, in his court. Right. And in the Leonardo da Vinci, like his house where he lived, we got to play with, like, all the inventions. And it's really fun for kids because there's lots of places you can run around, and it was like a hands-on science museum. <laughs> so that's in the town of Amboise, A-M-B-O-I-S-E, where you can see a great chateau, a famous sound and light show at, in the evening, and you can go to the house of Leonardo da Vinci in that the basement has all of his models redone, and the whole park is filled with ways that you can check out whirlybirds and Archimedes screws and old um, war implements and so on. Emily, really cool. <laughs> you are a lucky kid to have been over there. Thanks for your call. Thank you. And Diane's on the phone from Independence in Missouri. Diane, thanks for your call. Hi, Rick. Thank you. What's your memory of the Loire Valley? I took a balloon ride over the valley, and it it breathtaking. I'll, I'll remember it all my life. So what town did you leave from? We were staying in Amboise. Mm-hmm. Um, the chateau that we flew over was Chenonceau. Yeah, yeah Chenonceau. Oh, that's the beautiful one that goes over the river. Oh, it was beautiful. And we had seen it earlier that day um, from the ground. So my oh. sister didn't want to go. So I went by myself and joined 13 strangers. Um, in a basket high above the basket, Loire Valley. Far above. And um, at first I was, I don't know that I was scared, but I was um, had misgivings. Had misgivings. I I didn't speak the language. Pierre was our balloonist, and he wasn't speaking a whole lot of English. But by the time it was over, it didn't matter. It didn't matter. I remember the lady next to me going, ooh la la, ooh la la, the whole time. (laughs) And I thought, oh, they really do say ooh la la. Was she French? (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. You know, when I went on my first balloon ride, I was nervous. But as soon as it left uh, the land... I felt remarkably stable in that balloon. Yes, yes, not a fear, absolutely not a fear. Not a fear. Even when they took us up to the to the, the highest height, just magical, perfectly quiet. Um, we did. I remember um, scaring the wildlife below as we as we came down very very close to the ground. Um, again, what like, kind no, of wildlife? Absolutely no fear. Um, well, the the farm life, but there were deer. Deer, yeah, because there are there a were lot deer. of deer. A lot of deer down there. It's quite expensive, um, isn't it, Diane? How much did the balloon ride cost? Do you remember? I think it was around. Uh, this was five years ago, but I think it was um, two or three hundred dollars. Two hundred and fifty. Yeah, my my hunch is two or three hundred dollars for a balloon ride, and uh, yeah, I, I my feeling is the best balloon opportunities in in that part of the world would be the Loire Valley in France and Cappadocia in Turkey. Those are the places yes, people just. Yes, and love. we're going to Turkey this summer. All right, hey Diane, yes. thanks thanks for your call, and give us a ring after your Turkey balloon ride, okay? Thank you, Rick, for all you do. Okay, happy travels. This is Travel with Rick Steves. We're joined by Patrick Vidal and Virginie Moret, and we're talking about the chateaus of the Loire Valley, just two hours south of Paris, and uh, you can stay in a chateau for a reasonable price. You can uh, enjoy a variety of different chateaus. One thing I would remind people, there's so many chateaus to see. Study up and see a variety of chateaus instead of a bunch of 
uh, medieval fortified chateaus. See a different chateau from each era. If you want to see uh, a garden, be sure you know that there's one chateau that really is famous for gardens. If, if you want to see uh, hunting lore, there would be one that would be good for, for the hunting heritage and so on. And do you have any general tips for people planning their time in the Loire, Virginie? I think they should just um, pick a, a city, for example. Pick Amboise, for example, if you're interested in going to Chenonceau, Chambord, mm-hmm. and uh, Cheverny. And then if you're interested in seeing Villandry, then Chinon. Chinon is close to Villandry and uh, Azel-Rideau, so another region. You don't want to be, as you said, there are lots of castles. And mm-hmm. so just, you know, maximize your time and find a place, for example, like in Amboise, where you can rent a bike and just explore the river. You can, from Amboise, you can bike all the way to Tours just by the river, yeah, have a picnic a somewhere. Idea. We were talking earlier about boating around the Loire, but biking around the Loire is a great idea. And the two towns that you mentioned, Chinon, C-H-I-N-O-N, and Amboise, those to me are the most interesting towns just from an enjoy-the-town point of view. They each have a great castle, and it's a good base for uh, touring from either end of the Loire Valley. Patrick, any other advice in general for the Loire? But the, the idea is that uh, roughly the Loire Valley, the Chateau de Loire Valley, half of them are, are private, half of them are, are public. And a lot of the private ones have been turned into hotels because it's very difficult to run. Uh, the, the idea behind that basically is if you open it to the public, you get subsidies to maintain the place and to, uh, to make it run. If you don't open it to the public uh, for visits, you've got to find another solution because they cost a fortune those places to run. I mean, imagine just when you go to redo the roof of one of those places, it's cost, it's got fortune. So a lot of them, and, and more and more as it goes, are turned into hotels. So the hotels don't get the subsidies, but they make but money, they make by, money renting. By, yeah. by renting. Or you can let it be like a museum. Absolutely. France has such a rich heritage and <laughs> it's such a delight to explore it. And this is just one little sliver of that great country. This has been Travel with Rick Steves. We've been joined by Patrick Vidal and Virginie Moret talking about the Chateau of the Loire Valley. Merci bien. Merci. Merci, Rick. You'll find a link to Virginie Moret's website with our show notes at ricksteves.com radio. Hey, I'm Rick Steves, and I love art. And in my new book, Europe's Top 100 Masterpieces, I share my favorites with gorgeous photos and vivid descriptions. It's all in Europe's Top 100 Masterpieces, Art for the Traveler. It's available now at ricksteves.com.